You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon and Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake News Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and would kindly like you to wear a mask so we can all watch Cam Newton remind the NFL just how good he is. Uh, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by all of the guys. We have the Duck Father, recovering Texans fan, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, and caster of the double reverse chutzpah, resident old man Clark Barnes, El Saboteur, proud father of Quentin Nelson, Scotty Miller fanboy, the coach whisperer, the wine sipperer, the Will Disleyer, working girl Jordan Smith, and of course, fantasy football's premier internet doctor, loather of Adam Gase, fan of what scientists lovingly call facts and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys nick mustache man uh nick mustache man Botterford. that's not how it goes but that's okay guys how are we doing today doing great doing great pete good pete how are you i am doing well uh one sec bert is bert is ringing at our back door which normally means he needs to go out but becca says he just took him out I had to angrily shut the door on pork chop earlier yeah, I so. heard that. <laughs> <laughs> dogs are dogs are being all about the business now. Now Becca let him into the bedroom because we are two days. You know, and meanwhile Jordan's cat, a model citizen, just comes just and says hi quietly, right? Just like perks, sits next to Jordan, says hi, and then kind of goes on their merry way. Yeah, George is having a much better week than last week, where he was like howling or whatever in the middle of the show. Now he's, he's got two <laughs> fans on him, and he will not leave the street. <laughs> It's too hot. All right. Well, we are talking NFC West today. We're doing our deep dive one way from being done. Uh, and Jordan, you were saying before we started recording that this was another hard one for you in terms of like figuring out all the positions in our picks. I thought I maybe it wasn't easy, but there were certainly guys who kind of quickly came to me in mind for, for whom I, I'm selecting this, this division. So it might've been because I was one of the last people to put in Maybe that's it. who my who my picks were to solidify but I was just having like I was trying to be more diverse so we could actually talk about like other players but because I, I think there are a lot of players in this division that are like clear-cut they are they are elite or they are a possible league winner I, I think some of those are a little bit more obvious than some of the other divisions that we've done well, let's jump right into it then. And let's talk, let's start with those trustworthy elites and guys who we are willing to pay their high ADP price uh, in order to get them. There's no one more trustworthy than the elites. Waiter, I ordered the 89 Chateau, not the 99. And Clark and Nick, you guys start us off because you both are speaking the gospel of George Kittle as a uh, as a tight end worth his salt this year in fantasy. You want to start us off, Clark? Sure. So uh, 
I know we don't necessarily agree on the idea of uh, drafting your onesies positions high because they're going to give you an advantage over your opponent every week. Uh, but George Kittle fits right into that mantra. Uh, there's not a lot of tight end talent that comes available on the waiver wire each week. Just, you know, if Travis Kelsey goes down, we're not just looking at the next man up in Kansas City. There's just not a lot of these guys out there. And getting those three or four extra points, at least on average per week, gives you an advantage in a week-to-week game. Uh, he's coming off an amazing season. He is a featured player in the offense. He's he's about the only receiver left standing in San Francisco, at least as we go into the season. But it, he's one of those guys that you you put a corner on him, he's bigger than them. You put a linebacker on him, he's faster than them. He's just untouchable, and he's the only game in town. Uh, he's going middle of the second round. Just I don't know how you get away from your first two rounds without getting at least one onesie position sewn up and Kittle is absolutely kind of your last option there yeah so Kittle is is basically the guy who I'm willing to take early like and we talk about that yeah with with quarterback and and tight end like that's like a a mantra of mine but the season that Kittle has lined up for him uh looks to be uh King Kong-esque his so over the last two years let's see uh his rookie season is so crazy um no we'll go his second season uh 136 targets, 88 receptions, almost 1,400 yards, just five touchdowns. Last year, playing with a a, a, a high ankle sprain, a, a torn MCL, and we found out also that a torn shoulder labrum, uh, 1,000 yards, and again, just five touchdowns. He has massive touchdown uh, uh, positive regression coming no matter what happens. But as Clark said, Debo Samuel got a Jones fracture in June. Jones fractures, not an easy thing to come back from when you have like a full off season. This thing, um, Jones fractures oftentimes require more than one surgery to recover from. So already the, what was going to be the, the challenger for, for Kittle's rights to top dog in the passing game is just out of the picture. To make things, work, uh, to make things better, uh, sharp football strength of schedule, 12th softest uh, blend of pass defenses, 14th soft in terms of opponents' defensive passing efficiency. Um, and if you look at their schedule, I mean, my God, it, I just, the whole answer to all of these is for the good things is just going to be the Niners, but like the, they open their schedule with teams that can't stop anything. They've, they've got a bit of a difficult schedule in the middle of the season, but it's mostly against offenses that are going to put tons of points on the board. So they're always going to be working hard, but they, I mean, they close the season out uh, Washington Cowboys Cardinals. That's the final three games. Like these are all just, yes. Like, yeah. You're going to destroy But even to open the season again, Cardinals, Jets, Giants, uh, Eagles one. And then, and then dolphins like this passing game is going to absolutely demolish people, which is why you should draft Jimmy G late. But, um, yeah, Kittle, yes, 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 yes. Clark, don't shake your head. He, Kittle Jimmy G top 10 fantasy quarterback. watch it to like 140, perhaps 150 targets. Like I'm thinking this is like Adam Thielen target level, which in that case, yeah. I Especially dude, especially have, since Debo Samuel is starting the season injured and their wide receiver. He might receiver, not come back. Right. He might not come I mean, a broken foot is not nothing to nothing to come back from too quickly. Yeah. And then it's Brandon Ayuk, and they signed Tavon Austin and J.J. Nelson, I think. Um, well, and, and like they just we'll – they're. Further. they're their wide receiver group is just kind of a hodgepodge now. And it was even with Debo Samuel and they were relying on Debo. It's just basically that like the number one guy in this offense and you're right, he could see like 160 targets. Like, I don't know really who else Jimmy G's throwing the football to other than George Kittle. Yeah. I, the, the only, so, and 
Jalen Hurd is a beast. He's going to, and he's, he's also for slot. Yeah. yeah. And he, I mean, he was a, a running back slash receiver. He was competing for slot routes. He was potentially going to get goal line carries. He's out of the picture. I'm going to talk about somebody else later on here, but I mean, they just took out like two of the, the leaders in their receiving core. They just, and so anyway, George Kittle season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not much to add on George Kittle other than I was going to pick him as my elite because he's one of these guys that even though he plays the tight end position, he's like the prototypical, especially this season where you just treat him as past catcher. Like don't even put TE by his name, put PC when you're um, writing out your, uh, your tiers there. Um, he's going in the second round, but he has like wide receiver one value um the only other guy i would put like in the same tier as him is travis kelsey but i think that uh kittle just has the the edge because kelsey will uh turn 31 this season and um kittle's just still on the rise i feel like yeah one one note of caution there with the the kelsey comparison so tight ends tend to age a little bit more gracefully than other positions they take a little bit longer to get going and they age a little better and uh, Nick, you you know you mentioned the tight end touchdown or the t- touchdown regression will definitely you know write itself. Uh, with those stats, it would be hard not to think that. But a kind of hallmark of the type of off- offense that the Niners run is uh, playing it very safe in the end zone and or near the red zone. And I think that that's why Kittle hasn't really exploded yet. Because why chance Jimmy Garoppolo throwing a perfect fade or an out route to George Kittle? when we can just run uh, motion left and act like we're going to run that zone right outside scheme and then uh, shovel pass to Kyle Juszczyk. You know, that's where the San Francisco touchdowns get eaten up a lot. Uh, but even with no touchdowns, George Kittle is still absolutely dominating the league. So if he just upticks to like seven or eight, that would be a huge step and put him like well above Kelsey, even with Kelsey's, you know, playing on the most prolific offense in football. I yeah, promise. The, the, I promise. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Well, just the, the the great thing here is just that Kelsey is going at 14 overall in half point and, and Kittle's at 21. So, yeah. like, getting him at that 2-3 turn, like, whew, love that. Uh, I promise we will talk about other players than George Kittle uh, on, this, <laughs> on, this deep, on this deep dive. But to Jordan's point about treating him as a pass catcher, last year he averaged 12.9 uh, half point PPR points per game, uh, played 14 games. Amari Cooper, Julian Edelman, and Allen Robinson all averaged the same across, and they played 16 games, and that's why they're – like, I 100% agree with Jordan, where it's like, you treat – if you take off – if you treat him as a wide receiver, he's a wide receiver one, and going in the third, possibly fourth round, and Clark talks about this all the time, where it's like, you are then locking up the best – you now have the advantage at the tight end position every single week, Um, and so the fact that you're getting the advantage of the tight end position and – a wide receiver one is just, just, yeah, George Kittle is going to be phenomenal this year. Uh, all right. Well, Jordan, if you didn't pick George Kittle for your uh, trustworthy elite, who did you pick? Um, so I went down to the desert and picked uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, a lot of this has to do with the fact that DeAndre Hopkins has been able to kind of thrive and prove that he's an elite receiver. Uh, before Deshaun Watson got to Houston and Kyler Murray is already the second best quarterback that he's ever played with. Um, He's also incredibly durable. I didn't even realize this, but Hopkins has missed two games in his entire career. 
Um, the cards have had a lot of, they've played a lot of four wide the most out of anybody in the league by an incredible margin. Um, they had a ton of players with double digit targets last year, like 13 or something like that. Um, but I expect some of those just to kind of get siphoned right to DeAndre Hopkins, including uh, 47 targets and 46 targets that both went to uh, David Johnson and Demira Bird, respectively, um, who are no longer on the team. Um, Larry Fitzgerald is going to be 37. As much as we love Larry Fitzgerald, he had 109 targets last year that led the team. Uh, I don't think it would be very wise for him to lead the team in targets again. Um, so DeAndre Hopkins, I still think is a very reliable wide receiver and might even feel rejuvenated just being in, um, an offense like they have in Arizona. Yeah, obviously love this pick. And I think something that Kyler Murray is going to learn very quickly if he doesn't learn already is, uh, you know how Larry Fitzgerald was always there and felt like a good option on third down when I have a much more athletic Larry Fitzgerald and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins is a fantastic route runner and you know even playing with horrible quarterbacks they knew that hey it's it's third and nine we really need this first down well you and everyone else in the building knew that the ball was going to go to DeAndre Hopkins and DeAndre Hopkins usually still made that play he he is just phenomenal so there's worries about you know new wide receiver going to new team and you know the Cardinals having all of these other options and running four wide and, and that's all legit but just based on watching Hopkins play and watching Kyler Murray play as a rookie I feel like Hopkins is still going to be fine. He may dip to something like 125 targets, but they will likely be better targets in the uh, system that they're running in Arizona. <laughs> Kingsbury, in Kingsbury's system <laughs> than they were for kind of the donkey uh, system that we're running down here in Texas. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dissent. And I don't, I don't enjoy it, but um, I, maybe a little. As long as you don't maybe like it. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is painful. This. So yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the last, I mean, just just go look at his target totals. Like these are preposterous. 91, 127. Then after that, 192, 151, 174, 163, 150. I mean, the lowest target total he's had in four years is 150. Um, he's a tremendous receiver. He is changing teams. He's going to a team that wants to run four wide or three wide with uh, an effective tight end on the field. Uh, they're going to pass a lot to, to the running back. I, I just, I think that the, the hit in volume is going to be way too high to take this guy as the 11th overall pick in half point PBR. If he falls to the like two, three turn and I like nab him and Kittle. Yeah. Now we're talking. Um, but this, at this point in the draft, I just cannot do it. And don't you think he will just with running back fever kind of like sweeping the industry again? He when might you get into right. your home league t- drafts, which re- for me were at least always running back heavy, even in the big like let's go RB zero years. I feel like Hopkins is going to be there at 13 or 14, don't you think? I think he's uh, going to slip a little just for the fact of everybody's going to be like, oh, they got four wide, but it's like who are those four wide receivers that they're going to be running out there? Um, he might get less volume, but I think he'll be more efficient with the volume that he does get, if that makes sense. He, he, he might slip. Um, the, I mean, the thing is, though, it's, you know, it's, it's August 19th, and he's going at, at, at per consensus rankings of uh, a handful of, of sites. He isn't. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. I, 
I but you can easily, it. you can easily, I think Julio Jones is there right next to each other. So Julio Jones could easily leapfrog him. And I, God, do if he started like, Julio and DeAndre and then just took like seven shots at running backs for the rest of the draft. You're done. Like, good, good like draft. you mentioned getting uh carry on Johnson later. I've talked about David Johnson, like guys that you are not excited about, but you just need two of them, you know, like, oh. There's I really, really him. like him, and I'm going to enjoy watching him play football. <laughs> I just don't want to have him on my team. Uh, all right. Well, I will, I'm going to talk about uh, the running back in Arizona. I've been back and forth on Kenyon Drake. I thought that uh, initially in the beginning of this offseason, I was kind of so-so on him, and I was like, I don't really trust the fact that he's going so high. But he was stupid productive uh, last year despite being on a new team. Like, it's – really dumb how good he was when he joined the Cardinals. He was on pace for 246 carries, 1,286 yards, and 16 touchdowns. There's no real challenger waiting in the wings, in my opinion, from the running back. I know Chase Edmonds is there, and that Cliff Kingsbury was like, Chase Edmonds could be a starting running back on the team. Well, okay. Uh, (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it. They're also incorporating him more in the passing game. He's been running routes, uh, according to whatever reports I've seen. Uh, I know whatever reports I've seen is a good a good thing. To, so Cliff wants to get him involved in that. He's going as the RB9, 15 overall, which means you can get him in the second round uh, if you pair him with a top wide running back or if you top pair him with if you want one of the top wide receiver guys. I just I am I am now moved my needle from ah, I'll let Kenya Drake pass to uh, maybe I'll target Kenya Drake in the beginning of the second round. Yeah, this is going to be a polarizing pick, and it's it's we have this make-or-break running back who showed us a little something last year for the first time and gets drafted really highly going into the next year. Despite everything that you said being true, Kenyon Drake looking good, Kenyon Drake looking to get involved into the offense more, I just – I know that I'm going to pass on him. Just I, I, I can't do it. <laughs> it's it's scary because he is the guy who broke out uh last year but as you mentioned pete if anybody needs to go just comb through his box scores he broke out like you can't believe um this system works very well for running backs and and they did uh jump into more 12 personnel when they realized that they were going to have a tough time spreading the field but spreading the field is the best way to run the football uh he is going to get a lot of passing attempts I think he's going to get 18 touches a game. Maybe it goes up to like 20, 21. Um, but I would be targeting Chase Edmonds for like matchup-based flex appeal and then just like RB1 starter if if Kenyon Drake, who we have never seen take on a full workload, gets hurt. But to be clear, I will, I will absolutely take Kenyon Drake with like the 12th pick in the draft. I have uh, Kenyon Drake as my stay away, so should we just transition? Let's talk about players we're not drafting, Jordan. Red alert. Red alert. Do not draft this player. Red alert. Red alert. Okay, so uh, Kenyon Drake for me is a stay away, but not by much. Um, I think that he did break out in a big way last year, and um, we were speculating a little bit on DeAndre Hopkins falling with with that being the case, I think somebody might uh, – this is completely spe- speculative, too, is that somebody might get cute and try to drop, draft Kenyon Drake in, like, the top ten just to, like, think, ha I got you. Like, this is my guy, um, which I, I think is a little bit too high. But if he falls, like, lower than his overall 15, I think that's 
Um, about where you get them, uh, I see Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, and Miles Sanders are all going after him. Um, those might be uh, a little bit sexier of picks to me, especially at the, the value, if I can wait a little bit. Um, and and I, one thing I do see for the Cardinals, um, they are start, they could be starting three new offensive linemen, including one rookie. Um, so that worries me a little bit in terms of um, just how they might be able to work together with this offseason, if they're going to be um, gelling, if they're going to be able to sit there and run the ball like they did last year, if they don't have that sort of consistency. Um, I like them. Well, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I like them as my RB2, but not particularly as my RB1 right now. And I think that's one of the reasons why I swung positive on him is because his value is kind of pushed down to being that you can get him in that second round. If he was going in the first round, I agree with you, Jordan. I'd pass on him. Um, but middle of the second round, or I guess he's kind of early second early. round, which is early second round is, is maybe a little rich still for him. But I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll take him in the second and kind of maybe risk it for the biscuit if things don't break his way. And uh, Josh Jones being that, that rookie uh, lineman is like, you, you got to do hard to do better than that. Clark. Who are you not drafting in the uh, NFC West? So I'm not drafting Raheem Mostert and I don't like this. I don't like going uh, against the Kyle Shanahan running offense, but uh, Mostert showed last year that he is a very good runner and lots of runners have showed that they are good runners in the outside zone scheme. I don't want to take anything away from what he did. But what he didn't do was start when any other running backs were healthy. You know, they always decided to go with Tevin Coleman over him when there was the opportunity. Mostert didn't do too much in the passing game. And even though they paid him, they only paid him a little bit more. I think that he's a good addition to the backfield in San Francisco. But the order that these guys are getting drafted is all wrong. It needs to be Tevin Coleman, then Jarek McKinnon, and then Raheem Mostert. And that's just all backwards. Yes, I 100% agree. I was going to have Jarek McKinnon as, I mean, not Jarek McKinnon, Tevin Coleman as my late sleeper, uh, but I didn't. I don't know why I didn't. I talked myself out of it. I'm an idiot. Yeah, um, this this is a terrific pick. And as you said, Tevin Coleman in half point PPR, he's going off the board as the first pick of the 10th round. You potentially have Get a starting running back. him. Yeah, yeah. You potentially have a starting running back in the Kyle Shanahan system. Raheem Mostert is an awesome, pure rusher. He doesn't get any action in the passing game and uh, Tevin, he's nowhere near as loved by Kyle Shanahan as Tevin Coleman is on top of that. Jarek McKinnon is making waves in, in training camp. Uh, Jimmy G loves him as a receiving option as and top Shanahan 10 fantasy quarterback, Jimmy G for, for weeks one through six and uh, <laughs> 14 through 16. Yeah. Just at, as an aside, calling top 10 fantasy QB is, is saying I may have a bottom half in my league QB. That's not in any way what you're top shooting for. Top five. There you go. Like that's what matters for onesies positions is top six gives you just better than the seventh person for you math majors out there. Right. So, so just, I'm just Unless trying you're to playing spread it, if you're the in a word super flex like, league. Start thinking in these terms. This is true. Like this top true. 10 QB is something that sounds good, but it, who cares about top 10 QB? You want top three or, you know, you should stream. That wasn't a I shot at you, Pete. That was a no, shot at the no, whole Clark, industry. No, I. It was a shot. It grazed me, and I will learn from it and heal. Okay. <laughs> as long as I didn't go center mass. No. And we no. Can still no. Be no. I'm not point. dead yet. I'm just. I'm just mortally wounded. Well, mortally means I'm dead. 
just mildly wounded. There we go. Uh, all right. For, so, oh, go ahead, Jordan. I was going to say for Mostert, I can't say that he's an absolute stay away for me um, because he's going 61 overall. Uh, for a possible RB1. Um, he was the most efficient running back by DVOA last year, ninth in success rate, uh, seventh in DYAR. Um, so I, I know Tevin Coleman's there, but if you got a potential number one running back all the way down there in the, was that fifth round or so, that's perfectly fine for me. If he was going up in like three or four, then I'd be like, well, I would hesitate, but not way down at 61. All right. So I am not drafting this year Cooper Cup. I am not going to have him anywhere. And maybe not drafting is uh, not exactly what – I'm not trusting him, and thus I probably won't draft him. Uh, he's going as the wide receiver 16, 39th overall, uh, which isn't too, too bad, but he is ahead of Calvin Ridley and James Conner, both of whom we've spoken at length about on this podcast and in these deep dives. My biggest worry is something that we have obviously touched on many times on this show, which is the Rams deploying two tight ends more. Uh, in the first half of the season, he averaged 10-plus targets a game. Second half, when McVay went more to tight end, he was averaging six targets uh, per game. He still scores you touchdowns, and that's kind of what you were then relying on that second half of the season. And I know this because I had Cooper Cup on my fantasy team last year. But he's not the, he's not going to be the PPR monster that he has been or has shown himself to be in the past, and that's what worries me. Plus, and I wanted to go first before Nick because uh, because Nick is going to talk about this guy that he doesn't want to draft. I think Tyler Higby is going to become uh, Jared Cook's Jared Goff's excuse me favorite news favorite red zone target um, over Cooper Cup. But Nick is Nick is not as sure as I am. Tyler Higby going off the board uh, when I wrote my uh, preview for the team. I believe it was at like the beginning of the sixth round. Um, Seventy overall. He's- Okay, so he, he's a very talented uh, receiving tight end. He carries some off-field concerns with him. Uh, Gerald Everett is also a talented receiving tight end, and Cooper Cup is a talented slot receiver. Um, this I, I, I can't stress this enough. The, the breakdowns in the 2020 football preview are, are just tremendous. But what we find when Sean McVay last year, the way he started to adjust a little bit, and this was after teams exposing his system constantly, was that he was willing to deploy 12 personnel groupings when his team was ahead, or I think it was like greater than one score. But if they got in there or they were losing, then they immediately went back to three wide receiver sets. This is going to kick one of these tight ends off the field. Tyler Higby did not get a chance until week 10, which was after Gerald Everett had broken out and then got injured. And then Everett, he played like single digit snaps the rest of the season. Now he, there were a couple games where you might look through game logs and you'll see that he took a snap, but he didn't do anything. They effectively operated just with Tyler Higby for the rest of the year. And he was great. And Cooper cups knee was really starting to wear on him. His, his uh, surgically repaired ACL was, was wearing down and he was, he was able to somewhat produce towards the end of the year, but it was on a limited snap uh, basis. So now what we have entering the 2020 season is a healthy child Everett, uh, a healthy Cooper cup, and Tyler Higby. We have three guys who are all going to be vying for the most valuable targets on the field. That's that's Jared Goff's looks in the red zone. And it's they're uh, on a team that is really only willing or has shown to be willing to break away from their, their three wide receiver uh, sets when they are winning. 
But the problem is this schedule is brutal. They play a ton of really good offenses. So I'm not convinced that they are going to be in this comfortable position where, where Sean McVay is going to be willing to get out of his three wide receiver comfort zone, even though he's been exposed a bunch. It took him a long time to finally make a change. Maybe he will, but I think even if he does make this switch to getting both tight ends on the field a lot, um, it, you know, Cup, uh, Everett and Higby are all going to cannibalize each other. And then even if they do just switch to, to three wide receiver, Higby still has to do battle with Everett. So I'm just, I'm not paying the the cost to get this guy with so many questions. Yeah. I'm kind of can makers or bust on the Rams this year. So we love can makers more on him later. Ooh, well, Jared Goff's not good at quarterback. So I don't, I mean, the only guy who I wanted was Cooper Cup because he always ran four yard routes. And Jared Goff was like, oh shit, there's someone. But now we, don't, we can't even rely on that. <laughs> uh, well, there is someone who I think you can rely on in the Rams passing game. Uh, and in fact, not only do I think that, Jordan thinks that as well. Uh, but we will get into our league winners and sleepers after this ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Time to talk some league winners. Oh, my gosh. I did it. I just landed a league winner. And, uh, Jordan, I hope you don't mind if I start us off as we talk about Robert Woods, who we've touched on the Rams passing attack. And Nick has spoken eloquently on the three players who are all going to eat themselves and he, you know, who was not mentioned, Robert Woods, because Robert Woods doesn't get eaten by Cooper Cup or by the two tight ends. He's chronically underrated in fantasy. In the last two years, he's seen over 130 targets, 86 plus receptions, and 1,100 yards in each season. And what I'm worried about for Cooper Cup was the exact opposite for Woods last year. He saw a target uptick in the second half of the year, weeks one through eight, 7.5 per game, weeks 10 through 17, 11.3 per game. The touchdowns might cap his value uh, because we've talked about, you know, he never has been a go-to guy in the red zone for Goff or for the Rams. It's always been Cup or one of the tight ends. But he's the last wide receiver going in wide receiver two territory, wide receiver 24 overall, 57 uh, overall. But I think he has like a mid wide receiver two floor uh, and fringe wide, like high wide receiver two, maybe wide receiver one upside, especially in PPR. So I, I'm happy to get Robert Woods as like a wide receiver too for me with, with no questions. So I, I can hop in here, uh, Jordan, you got, you got your mute going, bud. Um, so he's finished Robert Woods last two years has finished between uh, wide receiver 17 and wide receiver 19. Oh, excuse me. Last three years. He's just been 
in that in that range. I consider him like a, a, a brand new Honda of the wide receiver twos. He's super steady. I, he doesn't have a, a, a massive ceiling, but like he's just going to keep on going in that wide receiver two range. And I think he is an adequate value pick. I might be more interested in a, uh, a higher uh, upside guy. But yeah, but he won't be affected by the personnel groupings. Like he right. is locked down on the outside. He gets some jet sweep, jet sweep action too. Um, Robert Woods is a totally fine wide receiver two pick. Sorry, my computer was being very bad. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I kind of, I, I like this idea that Robert Woods is just, you know, He's a real G moving in silence like lasagna. Uh, he finished PPR <laughs> wide receiver 14 and 11 in 2019 and 2018, uh, which I think is pretty decent for a guy that's going wide receiver 28 right now. Um, he's got back-to-back 1,100-yard outings. Um, and I'm hoping, and Nick touched on this last year about, uh, or a few minutes ago, about last year that Sean McVay was uh, going back to his comfort zone of three wide receiver sets. Um, and I'm hoping that his, the trends that we saw from the Rams between weeks 13 and 17 are McVay showing us how he's, I mean, we've heard it for a couple of years now, how he's, you know, boy genius and that he's very smart. Uh, we hope that that's the trend that he continues to keep on going with because they ran, um, 21 and 12 personnel, 34% of the time during that last month, as opposed to only 14% of the time before that. And they ran 11 personnel, the third most in the entire league before that at 72% of the time. Um, and part of the reason I'm hoping that they are moving more towards uh, bigger personnel with two wide receivers is because they felt very comfortable shipping out Brandon Cooks, um, who was uh, just one of their third wide receivers. I don't see uh, Josh Reynolds or anybody else really uh, stepping in to make a significant impact. Um, and, you know, middle of the draft, Robert Woods, he's perfectly capable. So, Nick, why don't you give us your league winner from the uh, NFC West? Every year, Tyler Lockett is really undervalued. And uh, I understand it because of the stigma uh, surrounding the Seattle Seahawks uh, idiot offensive coaching system. But, um, there are a few things that he's got going that I really like. So one, uh, they're, they're, the Seahawks are playing a really difficult slate of uh, opposing offenses this year. Um, they're also the, the run defenses that they're set up are, are like, they're brutal. And I, I know that Pete Carroll is just going to keep having these guys run into brick walls, but I have to think that there will be at least like a couple percentage shift towards passing. Um, and, and even if there's not, Lockett has produced a, a, a really solid, like pretty similar to, to Robert Woods. He just, he, he's going to be a wide receiver too. Last year uh, with the addition of DK Metcalf, Lockett hauled in 21.3% of the team's targets. Uh, Metcalf took down 19.3%. Uh, Lockett primarily runs out of the slot, which is awesome. He gets the mismatches with a, with a safety sometimes and a linebacker sometimes. He, uh, I wish his, his, his target volume was a little bit higher, but I mean, look, you're getting, you're, you're getting the, the, uh, lead in the target market share of Russell Wilson's primary pass catcher. And you, you really like, can't, he, he's a terrific value. Um, yeah. So go draft Tyler Lockett as your wide receiver too. And if you want to go like running back, running back, running back, and then go get him, I, 
he he can he can pretend to be a wide receiver one. Yeah, I agree. I love Lockett's value at wide receiver nineteen. Um, it helps being uh, Russell Wilson's favorite target. Uh, DK Metcalf is. I can see DK Metcalf taking another step this year, but for this offense, I feel like he's more of a, a player that helps because of his addition. He's like a three-point shooter that spreads the floor a little bit. So I like um, that DK is going to end up taking attention away from Tyler Lockett. That way Lockett can eat up a little bit more attention and um, be as effective and efficient as he has been. I can't remember what the exact uh, numbers were. Was it last year where he was like insane down the field when, or at some point down the field when Wilson was targeting him, almost like a perfect passer rating? Yeah, he's always maintained it. it he took over d- for Doug Baldwin in that regard. Mm. Clark, defend your boy. So this isn't in defense. I think that both of these things can be true. But the reason that DK Metcalf is going to be a league winner is all of the yeah buts and worries that Nick had around Tyler Lockett's increasing volume or lack thereof. Uh, last year, we were worried that DK Metcalf was too stiff and that just being a giant, incredibly fast human who's really good at catching the football uh, wouldn't bode well in the NFL. Well, I think DK Metcalf showed that uh, those fears were unwarranted. He had a really strong rookie season in an offense that does not like to pass the ball. I think that he showed he is the monster deep threat, a traditional X wide receiver that uh, Russell Wilson has never had. So while Lockett is fantastic, Lockett is a better wide receiver than DK Metcalf. I think what the Seahawks want to do with uh, running the ball into a brick wall three times and then maybe doing play action occasionally down the field bodes well for someone like DK Metcalf to get 20 or 30 additional targets and to make better on them this year. Uh, So taking a step from, I think his ADP is around 56 or 60, squeezing into that top 15, top 20 wide receivers this year at a pretty steep discount going in the fifth, sixth round. I have absolutely no problem with somebody taking Lockett and Metcalf back to back in the fourth and fifth because Lockett's a saucy stack. It's, it's bulletproof. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If you go get Wilson in the, in the seventh, like you have, you have absorbed all of their touchdowns. Um, But Metcalf, I mean, his, his, his ceiling is like weak winning every friggin' week. Like multiple touchdowns are always within his realm of possibility. Yeah, last year we saw a what we thought at draft time was a down wide receiver class. And I think that it's going to be one that we talk about for the next five or six years, a la Julio and A.J. Green. And when all of those guys came out with A.J. Brown, Hollywood Brown, you know, D.K. Metcalf, we had a lot of good wide receivers come out last year. And they kind of are overshadowing each other. You know, Terry McLaurin, I'm forgetting all of these guys. And, and D.K. Metcalf has that uh aj green type upside in a couple of years he could yeah i'm excited i like um dk metcalf is going one spot ahead of robert woods and i have no qualms with picking one or the other why not all three (laughs) somehow you magically luck into uh getting all three of our league winners all right well let's wrap this up with our late sleeper You mustn't wake the late-round sleeper. And uh, Nick, start us off. 
Yeah, going back to the uh, San Francisco 49ers well. Uh, everybody needs to draft Brandon Ayuk. So we mentioned earlier, uh, Diego Samuel, Jones fracture. He's He is expected to come back at some point during the season, but Jones fractures, they re-break all the time, oftentimes require two surgeries. It could be uh, two months into the season before he comes back. Jalen Hurd tore his ACL. He was battling for slot routes. Um, Brandon Ayuk was, I believe, the single most productive wide receiver uh, after the catch last year in in college football. Um, and I got this from, just looking for it right now, um, from Adam Lefko's uh, episode where he had uh, he had Evan Silva on, and they uh, they were talking about Chris Sims because Chris Sims is is close to uh, to Kyle Shanahan, and Sims has divulged basically that uh, Kyle Shanahan was ready to take Brandon Ayuk at number fourteen rather than in their their uh, later first round pick. Um, if they thought that the, the receiver board was going too quickly and they weren't going to be able to get him. They took Javon Kinlaw and then they came back and they, they uh, traded a couple spots up. Uh, they leapfrogged actually the Packers because they thought the Packers were going to take him. Um, so anyway, I mean, he, he's the perfect receiver for this offense. Kyle Shanahan likes guys who get open and then are able to work after contact and after the catch. And he basically is the best receiver in this year's draft class. Now with uh, Samuel and Hurd out, the way is cleared like immediately for Brandon Ayuk to be the team's number one receiver, which is crazy. We shouldn't forget about Trent Taylor and Kendrick Bourne. Um, Trent Taylor has shown flashes. Kendrick Bourne is a darling of the the coaching staff. He's not all that great, but they they scheme him up plays in the red zone. But anyway, Brandon Ayuk, I think you can start him in week one as a flex at worst and as a wide receiver too at best. Yeah, I was going to say that it, it seems like there are a lot of reports like almost immediately after the draft, a few weeks after that, a lot of teams wanted Ayuk. Um, the Packers were definitely one of those teams. They traded up at 226 to actually draft him, but the 49ers leapfrogged him. Um, and another thing, I was going to bring this up before when we were talking about Kittle, but you just mentioned him, Trent Taylor. I think he could be another reason that Debo Samuel um, misses more time than we hope because he had the same kind of injury and he ended up needed, needing a second um, surgery. And I think that, who knows, that could you know, cause them a little bit of like shock to be like, well, we got to make sure Debo is right before we actually put him out there because of what happened last time. Jordan, who, uh, who you, who's your late sleeper for the NFC West? So Will Disley. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, I was so excited. <laughs> uh, I was going to take him, but I, I, I don't know. I, Greg Olson there. You never know. Um, Anyway, I promised some Cam Akers talk. Uh, he's going a little later. He's not particularly a deep sleeper territory, but um, 69 overall, nice, and RB 28. Um, the backfield does look a little bit crowded on paper, um, but Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson kind of had shots and opportunities with um, when Todd Gurley was there to make a, a pretty big impression, but they just weren't able to do that. Uh, Brown rushed 69 times for 255 yards and five touchdowns while playing 67% of the snaps while Henderson got 39 for a buck 47 at 33%. Um, So it wasn't exceptional as um, you might have hoped. Um, And they drafted Cam Akers in the second round. So he's definitely got that pedigree. He is a rookie, so it might take him a little bit of time to get up to speed. Um, you also kind of got to hope that the Rams offensive line is 
better. Like just uh, hopefully they, they have nowhere to go but up anyway. They finished 31st last year, according to PFF in terms of uh, offensive line ranking. Um, but, but I think Cam Akers is a good overall round back where he has a chance to take up a lot of snaps. Yeah, I, I think where he's going, he's an excellent guy to take a shot on and uh, to just paraphrase what you said more eloquently, Jordan. Uh, we saw what Malcolm Brown and Henderson had last year, and so did the Rams, and they decided to spend the second-round draft pick on a rookie. So, yeah, so take a shot. Uh, Akers, he's just going off a little bit too high for me. He and Henderson both came from uh, uh, gap running schemes. This is his own scheme. It doesn't – just because Henderson kind of – he didn't do great last year doesn't mean that Akers will have the same kind of outcome. Uh, one thing that I, I can't uh, talk about Akers with and and not bring up, though, is his 10-yard split is, like, ludicrous. It's – having a low 1.5-second 10-yard split is phenomenal. Like, Tyreek Hill is 1.50. His was 1.47. He's legitimately in it in 10 yards on the field will be the fastest person on the, on the field. Um, so, Hey, you know, maybe that's, that, that's something to keep in mind. His, his freak athleticism will give him a, a, a leg up on some of the other guys. Clark, who you, uh, who's your sleeper for the West? So this is unfortunately in conflict with Nick's sleeper. <laughs> and uh, this is a bit of a prognostication. Uh, my sleeper that you should go ahead and draft and just take my word for it is uh I don't know if this is going to happen while we're recording the podcast or maybe a week after the podcast comes out, but Josh Gordon signs with the San Francisco 49ers to be the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> X receiver. And he once again sneaks into the fifth round of my drafts. <laughs> Every Good year, luck. Josh Gordon just finds a way yeah. to sneaks into sneaks into Clark's heart and drafts. That I mean, no analysis. He's huge, and he can run downfield, <laughs> and that's what the Niners need, and he's available. So why not one more? I mean, I don't hate it. One more last hurrah. All right. I can't and I will... about Josh Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, like, guys. Let's start uh, the well, movement. <laughs> it would be nice. I want to see him succeed, of course, but I'm tired of Josh Gordon coming into my life and breaking my heart over and over again. But maybe all he needs is to play in Kyle Shanahan's offense to finally ball out. Uh, all right, well, I'll wrap us up. My late sleeper, I mentioned Tevin Coleman. I wanted to, I was going to do him, but then I didn't. But Tevin Coleman, you should draft. Uh, I also like Christian Kirk. I think this is the year that he takes over for Larry Fitzgerald as the number two receiver in Arizona. He saw a lot of targets, a good amount of yards, but not a lot of touchdowns last year. He saw 108 targets, uh, 709 yards, and three TDs, which all came in one game, so... There is some positive regression for tie, for touchdowns or some worry about touchdowns, whether way you want to look at it. If we're expecting this whole offense to take a big step forward with Cliff and uh, Kyler Murray in their second year, then the number two wide receiver spot is going to be a valuable spot next to DeAndre Hopkins. He's going as the wide receiver 44, 117 overall. I think he could be a solid flex start uh, for most of the season and maybe gives you a couple low-end wide receiver two weeks. Uh, he certainly did that last year. I mean, it was one, really, because he scored three touchdowns. But uh, but I think he's someone who could, could see maybe a surprising workload uh, in Arizona this year. Yeah, I like christian kirk as like a draft him and plug him in as needed uh, i think he kind of gets lost in the shuffle right now of like those wide receivers who might take another step in his progress this year which is very possible for him because he's just kind of a hands guy well there you go there's the nfc west uh 
Make sure to subscribe to the Fate Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you'll find us. And not only how you'll get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball podcasts. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week to finish up our deep dives. We're talking the NFC East. Until then, peace!